All right, well, good evening and welcome to another episode of Take the Two. Now, look, we might be in December, it might be off-season, but certainly someone didn't tell that to the 16 teams because there have been, or and, and, its, and its players, of course, there's either been signings, re-signings, players getting in trouble, former players getting in trouble, and it just seems like rugby, rugby league is the sport that never sleeps, Tom. That's it, it never stops. Plenty of player movements to keep track of, and you know, we've got cricket, basketball coming up, uh, the NFL's in full swing, but... Uh, rugby league fans have always got to be on their game because there's always plenty of big news around the corner. Yeah, there certainly is. And I guess, you know, the news everyone is talking about, obviously there was already speculation as to whether he would stay on or not. And a lot was going to depend if Cameron Smith was going to leave the storm. And obviously we still don't know with Cameron Smith he hasn't made his decision, but I guess the more surprising one from the storm, Tom is they've elected to essentially give Brandon Smith his release from 2022. Much like Josh had a car, they are happy to do it earlier as long as there's a, you know, a like for, not not necessarily a hooker to replace him, but I guess a, a player of the same quality. I mean, were you expecting sort of the storm to, I guess, just come out and pretty much say, yeah, we've released him from 2022 and that's it? No, I was a little bit surprised when the news came out. I thought that, you know, we might see, as we've seen so many times over the last few weeks, Brandon Smith himself go and re- make that request and that come out to the media before the club has officially announced anything, but got on the storm for getting on the front foot. I think that they realised that their future lies in Harry Grant after the form that he's shown this year. I think plenty of teams could use Brandon Smith's services. We know what he brings. The Bulldogs are probably the obvious choice, given that we know they've got some funds left to spare, but there'll be a, num- a number of other clubs snooping around. You know, he's just a triple threat. He's so reliable, plays with so much passion for the jersey, and he's a character who fans can really get behind and, you know, unite as one in, in, in their support and you know, he's not leaving until the end of next season at this stage. Obviously, could have an earlier release, but it'd be interesting to see what happens next year if he doesn't leave. Uh, you know, how they manage his role moving forward with Harry Grant. We might see him play a little bit of lock with uh, Tino Fasu Malawi moving up to the Gold Coast. And yeah, plenty of options for Melbourne moving forward and uh, for Brandon Smith into the future. Yeah, it's an interesting one when you look at the teams that probably, you know, need a hooker more than most. I mean, obviously, you know, I guess your Tigers wouldn't be averse to having a guy like that. And as we're going to touch on with Josh Reynolds, who's now no longer there, certainly, I guess, at least frees up a little bit of money. And as you said, the dogs as well. Manly are probably crying out for a hooker as well. I mean, we still don't know whether Manasi Fainu is going to play again. Obviously, he has that, what seems like an, what, an, another never-ending NRL court case after that church incident. Looks like Danny Levi is going to leave. And they probably don't really have too many other options apart from Lachlan Croker. And he's probably not a specialised hooker. So... There's probably at least three or four teams, Tom, that you can look at a guy like Brandon Smith for 2022 and say, yeah, he can slot in straight into hooker, which is what he wants at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And you could even add the Cowboys to that list. They've had a number of different guys come in and uh, attempt to really make that spot their own. Uh, Ruben Cotter, Jake Granville, Reese Robson. Probably see Robson take the reins next season. But no, I wouldn't be overly surprised if we saw Brandon Smith head up north uh, back to where he started his career up at the Cowboys. So, you know, I, I think he'd probably land at one of the four clubs we've just mentioned in the Cowboys, mainly Bulldogs and Tigers. But, you know, as for which one, it's a, an absolute guessing game at this stage. I'm sure there'll be more to play out over the next few weeks. Yeah, it certainly is. And I guess moving on to a guy that has probably been a bit unlucky in, well, over the course of his career, Tom, with obviously, uh, you know, Tao Tao Monga is one of those guys. I think he's up to about three knee reconstructions at the moment. Obviously had one when he was at, uh, early days of the Cowboys, another one at the Broncos, 
and then he had this most recent one at the Knights as well, obviously affected him big time and the the amount of time he was able to actually play. He's off to South since 2021. Is there a spot for him in the South's back line, you think? He probably struggled to find one initially for him. You know, for Tautau Morris, unfortunately, it's the same old story for him. You know, fifth club at just age 27. But if he can stay healthy, he's definitely a great depth signing alongside a guy like Jackson Paulo. You know, two guys who throughout the year, especially with Origin moving back to mid-season, they're definitely going to see some first-grade action at some stage. You know, South's lost James Roberts to Tigers. I think that this signing probably just strengthens what is already looking like a really potent and strong backline for 2021. You speak about whether there's a spot for him. They've already got guys like uh, Dan Gagai, Campbell Graham, Latrell Mitchell, Corey Allen, Alex Johnston there. You know, we all saw what they did in the lead up to the finals, particularly with those 68, uh, 60 to 8 victories over the, uh, the Roosters and the 50 to, uh, 56-16 win, I think it was, against Manly. So you know, I'm sure we'll see more of the same next year. And uh, Tao Tao Monga, it's a pretty exciting time for him if he can get fit to to get involved with that because there'll be plenty of ball coming his way. Yeah, it certainly is. And obviously, we, you know, after three knee reconstructions, five teams is only at only age 27, as you said. You know, we certainly hope it's not a, you know, I guess another Kyle Stanley story where I think he was up to about four and pulled the plug because, I mean, it's it's we know that the more times these players in get the ACL injuries, the more knee reconstructions they have. There's, you know, there's no cartilage. There's nothing more that, I guess, doctors can really do. And, you know, we've seen it before, as I said, like with Kyle Stanley, where after so, after so many, you need to give it away. So hopefully for Monga, it's none of the sort and, and he can play at the very least another, you know, four to five years and then he can make the call on his own. Yeah, definitely. Something we see so many players discuss when they come to the sort of the twilight period of their career is going out on their own terms. And, you know, Chatao Monga was only... Six years ago, he was playing for Samoa and uh, played a couple of games for them while he was up there at the Cowboys. So, you know, fingers crossed for him, he can get back to that form. And fingers crossed for Souths fans as well, because he's such a damaging runner of the ball. You can put him on either edge and, you know, he'd fit in, can fit in at centre or wing. Uh, he's such a versatile outside back and a guy you really love, yeah, as a depth signing in the club. Yeah, he certainly bring a lot to them. And I guess moving on to the Roosters, Tom, we, I mean, we may as well just say it straight away. James Tedesco is there for another three years. Apparently something like $1.2 million a year. Probably not many surprises either. I mean, not that many teams can, I guess, throw around that sort of money to begin with. But, you know, he's won a couple of premierships at the Roosters. They're going to, you will yet again be a premiership force. So it's not really, shouldn't really be a surprise to anyone that he's going to stay and, and try and get another another title with the Chooks. Yeah, absolutely. This signing's been touted for a while. Finally delivered and sealed for the Roosters this week. And I think that, uh, the Roosters' quiet end of the year and his concussion in Origin 3 has seen a number of the big media outlets jump on a guy like Cam Munster and place him ahead of James Tedesco. But for me, Tedesco is still the number one guy in the league. He's a full package. We've seen his silky ball playing skills, that jinking running style. It's just so conducive to racking up plenty of tackle busts. And for Tedesco, I think the Roosters were always going to be the right fit for him as well moving forward. I think it goes both ways. And I know there was talk about him perhaps earning slightly more at the Bulldogs or going back to the Tigers, but I mean, if you're James Tedesco, why are you going back to a struggling club for you know, $100,000, $200,000 more when you're already earning $1.2 a year at a championship club without even considering the sponsorships that come on top of that? Yeah, that's exactly it. And, you know, that was an interesting point you did raise about Teddy when it comes to, you know, media love to say who's the best player, who's the best that. And, you know, there's already been comparisons. I think it was, I think it was an article today or yesterday about, you know, oh, is, is James Tedesco now better than Billy Slater? And obviously... 
you know, I guess when you look at what both are able to bring, what both are able to bring to the table, they are quite similar. They could score tries, they could set tries up. Their support play was tremendous. Obviously, they've played it. They've played both alongside and against, you know, tremendously talented stars. And I guess it's probably a testament to Teddy Tom that that is being mentioned alongside Slater, who many regard as the greatest fullback ever. Just you know, given the consistency, the talent, the try scoring ability, the full package, pretty much as I've been saying. Yeah, absolutely. And it's obviously hard to argue against Billy Slater for just the way that he changed that fullback position and turned it into such a, you know, dual threat running, playmaking, out the back uh, role for for any attacking side. And you know, James Tedesco, I think, has built upon the work of Billy Slater. Billy Slater invented the role, and James Tedesco has just perfected it. And we've seen that over the last few years. Obviously, two Brad Fittler medals for New South Wales Player of the Year. He won Wally Lewis Medal last year as well, the Dalyam. So, you know, for mine, he's still the best player in the league. But, you know, we've got plenty of great guys running around. And I think it's a really strong period, not only for the league, but also for the fullback role. We've got plenty of guys up there who, you know, in the past, we would have probably crowned, you know, uh, the best fullback in the league in their own right. Guys like Cameron Ponga, Tom Trebojevic, Ryan Pappenhausen, and, of course, James Tedesco. Yes, certainly plenty, plenty of talent there. And I guess... You know, if moving on to the Tigers, Tom, we know that there's, you know, quite a, I guess, some, some player turnover there. We know that obviously Michael Maguire still wants the side that is his and not, you know, a former a former coach's side. So, you know, we've seen a couple of reshuffles. And I guess as a Tigers fan, you know, we'll get your, I guess, your take on, on all three, essentially. So we know Josh Reynolds has left. There was, you know, I guess that sort of period where he, he probably realized he wasn't going to be playing after a certain point but took it on the chin said look it wasn't great but it was on me he's off to Hull FC so that's a good opportunity for him and and then I guess obviously the the signing of Joe Offerhand Gowie and the reports that David Nofaluma are going to re-sign I guess I, I think you've you said it a couple of weeks ago Tom that the signing of the signing of Offer and Gowie is one that you're not too displeased with, and obviously to have North Luma stay on for another three three years potentially is just another great thing as well, given how well he played in 2020. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I think you're 100, uh, I think you're definitely right in saying that Michael Maguire is finally getting around to having a team that he's built rather than one he's inherited from Ivan Cleary. And just to touch on the Josh Reynolds move first up, I. Yeah, I was really glad to see that one end amicably all around. You know, it's great for Josh that he gets a chance to go and reinvigorate his career in the, over in the UK and finish on his own terms and, you know, make a move that we've seen uh, so many NRL players successfully make around his age. I know he said on Nine News the other night that he admits he was a bit of a dud buy for the club, but I always loved watching him play whenever he was on the field. He brought so much passion and energy, and it wasn't his on-field performances that made him a dud, just a bad run of luck off the field and a couple of injuries that were a bit ill timed meant that he wasn't always available for selection great thing about it is also for the tigers it frees up a little bit more coin wouldn't be surprised if they use some of that to maybe try and lure dane laurie a year early from the panthers i know there's some reports that maybe making a little bit of a play for gareth winnip as he comes back and then obviously though uh, it's given them the the finances to make those two moves like you mentioned uh, great for Nofa we shuts down any rumors of him going anywhere i know there was a little bit of talk he might be off to Parramatta if the if the money wasn't right the tigers but Obviously, they've met his demands, and that's great to see because I think every Tigers fan would love to see him stay there. I thought he was a little bit unlucky not to pick up an origin spot at the end of the year, to be honest. It was you know, probably his defence over the last few seasons that just let him down, but I thought you know, this season he's been much better all, all around, and 
you know, we all know what a damaging ball runner he is. And pair that with Joe Offengawi, as you said, I'm a big fan of this move. The Tigers have been missing size for a number of years now, and I think people have forgotten that only two years ago, uh, Offengawi is playing Origin as a starting forward for the Maroons. Had a bit of a bad run with injuries last year, and you know some unfortunate circumstances off the field with uh, illness in his family. But fingers crossed, he's through all that and can get back to playing his best footy. I think the Tigers' pack will be much better with him there. He'll probably, probably either start at lock or prop, and you know forms a nice little combination of Tamau, off Hangawi, Garner, Bloor, and Luciano Leiwot. So yeah, exciting, uh, exciting times for Tigers fans moving into next year. Yeah, look, it is building nice, and obviously. You know, we know that the Tigers are crying out for, I guess not, I guess success in general, but you know, probably, you know, get a spot in the eight and make the finals, even if it's not very far. At least you want to see that progression, and you know that that I guess that that the side's able to build towards a measure of consistency. You know, even just making the finals for a couple of years and then going beyond that. So, you know, certainly, you know, retaining Nofaluma and and signing off and Guy will help with that. I guess I just want to one thing with Josh Reynolds, Tom. I guess I want to ask you. I mean, he, he did have the injuries and you know some of the off-field stuff, but I guess what what do you think was probably the one? I guess the main reason he didn't succeed more at the Tigers, given that obviously when he came in, the intention was for him to basically be starting hooker, given that you probably I mean obviously before Harry Grant came along, of course, um, and then obviously you know that didn't eventuate. What's, what's sort of like the one reason that it just, in the end, wasn't the right fit as, as such? Yeah, personally, I don't think you can really put it down to one reason. I think it was almost just a bit of a series of unfortunate events. Obviously, he came over the Tigers and suffered a shoulder injury, which didn't really allow him to cement any spot in the side. That led to him sort of being on the outs, you know, trying to come back halfway through a season is always tough for a guy, especially when trying to form those combinations on the field. We probably saw guys like Jacob Little, get those opportunities. He was also caught in a little bit of a log jam initially because he signed with Ivan Cleary and then uh, we saw Benji Marshall and Robbie Farrow both come back to the club and, you know, finish out their career at the Tigers as club legends and, you know, rightfully so, getting the, the send-offs they deserved. So, you know, it's gonna, it was always going to be tough for him to really get a role. He never really got a chance to, to get a grip on, on one spot and I think if he'd been able to, you know, cement down one position, as you said, in the nine or even in the six, uh, before Benji Marshall came, it would have been a lot easier for him to uh, maintain his spot in the side moving forward. And, you know, I think it's just, as I said, uh, a number of unfortunate events that just created that situation. Yeah, I guess that's rugby league for you. But as you know, as, as you said, it's good to see him get back on his feet with Hull FC and get a chance to, you know, cement a spot there and obviously impress a whole bunch of new fans with his passion and his energy. And, I mean, I guess like, like Josh Reynolds had his... You know, off-field issues. Not that he was in trouble, but we know, you know, the story with that that lady that he was involved with, and it certainly hasn't been a good couple of weeks for the NRL when it comes to off-the-field incidents. Tom, I mean, I guess where do we begin? We obviously have both the Jared Hayne and Jack DeBellin trials, or well, essentially finished. And you know, the, I guess the talk is whether they go to retrials. A jury, the, the the jury, and both were unable to come to a unanimous verdict, and. So they begin this whole process and, and whatnot. And I guess more so on DeBellin than than Jared Hain, Tom. Do you think after, I mean, this is essentially going to be the third year, 2021, that Jack DeBellin is not going to be starting the season. Is this essentially the death knell for his rugby league career? I mean, at least from an NRL perspective, I mean, three years out of the game, 
is a long time and you know he's been training and doing that but there's got to be some concern there from you would think from the dragons as to i guess where he's at mentally after all of this as well yeah 100 percent. and just to touch on the jared hayne case quickly i think that his career in the nro is well and truly over and i think that you know this story now barely even qualifies as a rugby league story moving forward i think that you know his time in the league regardless of the result of this uh, trial is over and you know unless he moves over in a you know, transition to England I don't think we'll be seeing him back in rugby league but for Jack DeBellin yeah it's um, you know it seems like his case is dragging on forever you don't want to speculate about the legal side of things but it just leaves the Dragons in such an awkward spot they've got to keep money stashed for him and that's potentially causing them to miss out on guys who are on the market at the moment I know I heard that uh, they were pretty much over the line with Offer Hengawi before the Tigers swooped in and picked him up and you know this is a real test for the NRL as well for the future of the no-fault stand-down. I think that the league's making a safe play here. I think that they're trying to hedge their bets and essentially they're placing a value on the reputation of the league here. They know that if Jack DeBellin is found not guilty, there could be a sizable legal case against the NRL. But I think it's one that they're comfortable with losing because I think the game's just tried so desperately to clean up its act and now's a real test for them. And you know, they're willing to, to, to go at all costs here. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, you know, you, you honestly honestly can't fault the NRL stance, whether, I guess, whether someone agrees or disagrees with the NRL fault, sorry, the no-fault stand-down policy in of itself. They've certainly, you know, implemented it to the T and have stood by it in regards to this. And I guess it, it'd be interesting to see how they deal with this recent Tom Starling case as well, Tom. Obviously, you know, he's, it's alleged that he's assaulted police officers, tried to grab their gun, of course, he's come out on, on, I don't know if it was his own Instagram or some pictures on Instagram came up of, you know, some cuts and bruises on his, you know, that were on his face. And I guess it's probably pretty bad overall, but I guess for Tom Starling more than anything, Tom, I mean, the back end of that 2020 season, he was, he was pretty much, or he'd guaranteed himself a spot in the 17. Obviously, you know, Josh Hodgson will come back and will rightfully start. But if there was ever any doubt about who was going to start off the bench between Harvili and Starling, Starling put his hand up and said, yep, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy to come off the bench. Yeah, 100%. And obviously there's some conjecture around the stories from both sides of this case. I'm sure we'll see that all play out in the courtroom in the near future. But to focus on the on-field stuff, I think the Raiders will be really sweating on this case and his availability for next season because we've seen uh, Saliba Havili successfully transition into a spot in that forward rotation now. So Starling's probably the number two guy there behind Josh Hodgson. We've all seen how injury-prone Hodgson has been over the last few years. Always a high injury risk, uh, re-injury risk, sorry, for ACL injuries. So it's definitely going to be one for Raiders fans to keep an eye on. And fingers crossed for him, if he's not guilty, that uh, he can get back to his best form. And it doesn't act as a bit of a distraction, as we've seen from different guys over the years who have had court cases, uh, you know, affect their, their preparation for, or affect their preseason preparation. And, you know, it's going to be an interesting one for the Raiders because I don't know how much depth they've got behind him there in the hooker role. Yeah, they've got to tread very carefully. I mean, to be honest, I don't think they have, to my knowledge, I wouldn't say there's any guy, apart from Harvili, if he was to slot back in a hooker, that I don't think there's really too much depth there. So it's, you know, as you said, they are sweating on this case with Tom Starling. And, you know, I mean, I think it's safe to say that, again, presumption of innocence, of course, but if all of this is found out or is ends up being true, I mean, you, you'd have to imagine that for assaulting a police officer, again, if true, would you know probably not be a very good look in the NRL's eyes and 
they might they may decide to you know rub him out for a while. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I, I would say that the Raiders' premiership window is still open, but you'd probably argue it's starting to close now with guys like Jared Croker and Josh Hodgson starting to get on a little bit now. So you know that really the, there's no time like the present if the Raiders want to make a run for a grand final again. And you know, I think that if they do want to do that. Tom Starling's going to be well, going to play a big role. He certainly is, and I guess in another off-field incident, this time with a former player. But you know, when it comes to rugby league, it's former, current. It is splattered everywhere, and I guess for me this was a surprising one, Tom. I mean, we saw Gideon Gideon Gilamos. We played the NRL nines quite a few years back, and he was pretty much like Tabuai Fido is now. You know, the the speed, the next cab off the ring. This guy's going to be. You know, a long-term winger in the game. He just had that ability to to score tries, and suddenly here he is in 2020, uh, basically king hitting guys in cans. I mean, if there was ever any chance of him coming back, it's well and truly gone now. Yeah, the allegations are pretty serious in this one. It's a real shame if they're found to be true because I mean, you know he's really blown a shot to make it back into first grade. I know we've been talking about him for a number of years now. It feels like he's one of those guys that's been around for quite a while, but. He's only 23. He came through quite young. I remember when he was, as you said, just a you know, 18-, 19-year-old playing at the at the nines and really you know, winding up that competition there. I think it might have been back in the days when it was over there in Auckland. And I think no Queensland Cup, as well as the addition of Valentine Holmes, really hurt his chances of selection this year. But if, if he got a chance to get back into that Northern Pride side in 2021, I've got a little doubt that he'd be right up there as one of the top try scorers in QRL. And he'd be really pushing for a wing spot up there in the, uh, the Cowboys system or even another NRL club if he was to, to make a transition. But, yeah, looking all bit over now. So, uh, real shame in that one. Yeah, look, it is. And, I mean, I guess a player who is probably disappointed for different reasons, you know, obviously he's trying to force his way back into an NRL side, and that's obviously Albert Kelly. We know that, you know, he had, had his ups and downs in his career as well, mostly played with the Titans in, in his previous NRL stint. Has enjoyed some decent success and form with Hull FC, was on the train and trial with the Brisbane Broncos, Tom, but KV Walters has had a chat with him and said, look, you know, you're overweight at the moment or, you know, he's, he's not physically ready. Of course, they don't like to, you know, be as, they'd be blunt, but of course, avoid those words. And so I think the, he's been sent to the South Slogan Magpies, which is a feeder club of the Broncos, basically to say, look, get yourself physically ready. And when when you think you're at that, at that level, come back and we'll see what happens then. Yeah, I think this is a good move, both for Albert Kelly and for Brisbane. I don't think Albert Kelly was ever going to be the starting half, uh, starting halfback for Brisbane next season. But, you know, Kevin Walters has said that he, he's not putting a line through Kelly and, you know, perhaps he might be able to play a role at some stage, maybe later on in the season, particularly through that origin period if, we've, if they've got guys out injured or on representative duties there. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. They've got, you know, a bit of a log jam in the halves there. Brisbane, Anthony Milford, Tom Tearden, Brody Croft all floating around. So Albert Kelly's another guy that just gives them some nice backup if injuries were to strike. And, you know, fingers crossed with him that he can get back into shape and, you know, get back to some of that form that we saw a couple of years ago. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think I, I recall at least yeah, a period of 18 months at the Titans where obviously, you know, at that time the Titans were, were not great. But certainly that wasn't wasn't from a lack of trying from Albert Kelly and, you know, I guess this is his chance at redemption and a chance for him to go back and show Kevy Walters and to say that, yep, look, I still belong here. Not that I'm expecting a starting role, but, you know, just to let you know that I'm here, ready to play and 
you know, ready to fit into this system as as need be. Yeah, a little while ago now, but he had a pretty electric season. I think it was 2013, and he scored 10 or 11 tries there, playing in the halves for the Titans. And you know, any player who comes out and you know manages to score that many tries in, in a halves position, it definitely uh, could be described as dynamic, and he'll definitely play an important role in the, in the as a depth signing for next year. He certainly will, and I guess a guy who also at the Broncos, Tom, is probably going to have to take on a bigger role in 2021 and beyond is prop Thomas Flegler. Now, obviously, he's re-signed for, for essentially two years. He was already contracted for 2021, signed a two-year extension until 2023, and we know David Fafita, Tom. The Broncos certainly need Flegler and other forwards to step up along to really help Payne Haas in the end. Yeah, probably alongside Pat Carrigan. I thought that Flegler was a real shining light from this year. Obviously, a tough year to come in and really cement a spot in the starting lineup. But I think that the fact he managed to do that while the team was losing so many games just goes to show that the coaching staff obviously really rate him quite highly. It'd be a great uh, boost of confidence uh, for him, I'm sure, to have Kevy Walters come in and, and give him the nod of approval and yeah, re-sign him for uh, was another another couple of years. So yeah, I'm sure that he'll play a big role in Brisbane's future moving forward. And, and with Katoni Staggs out and so much conjecture about the half throw, I think that Brisbane will be really relying on that forward pack, as you mentioned, next season to you know, dig them out of trouble in certain games because uh, they're really going to need it if they want to pick up the swag from this year. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I guess, I guess in 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 Brisbane's no, well, not defence. That's the wrong word, but there are good signs from Brisbane with the forward pack, Tom. In that they are still, they're all still very young. Obviously, all very mobile. I mean, there's even guys, you know, sort of waiting in the wings. Jordan, Ricky. Uh, you know, Pride, Patterson, Robarty, all these guys that sort of that we know Brisbane are are capable of producing and getting the best out of, and their forwards are there. But obviously, as we said, we you know from a half spe- halves perspective, it's not there. But certainly with young guys like this, they should really be laying the platform on a regular basis in 2021 and beyond. Yeah, 100 percent. Add add to that, guys like Ethan Bournemore, Tavita Pangai Jr. floating around as well. So. Yeah, there'd be plenty of options for them moving into the next season, I'm sure. And, you know, it'd be up to Kevin Walters to work out the best combinations for uh, round one next year. And, you know, they'll want to be firing out of the box because, you know, to be honest, this Brisbane side's looking perhaps, it's, you know, funny to say, even perhaps a little bit weaker uh, moving into next year after what was a horrendous year this year. They've lost off a Hungary to the Tigers, as we discussed earlier, David Fafita to the, uh, to the Titans, and uh, now for Tony Stagg to that ACL injury as well. Yeah, certainly could could be another tough start to the year for them, but there's talent there. You never know what can happen in rugby league. And I guess still on the subject of props, Tom, I mean, obviously, you know, we know that he left the Tigers in a rather unceremonious fashion. And there's been plenty of, I guess, vocality when it comes to people airing their grievances or being angry at how he left. But Josh Alloyai is officially at Manly alongside Jason Saab. I guess from Manly's perspective, Tom, to get a player like like Josh Alloy, Alloy A is a good signing. Obviously, they needed a prop, I guess, to sort of step into the the position of Fanua Blake, who went to the Warriors. Is, do do you think that what happened at the Tigers could affect Josh negatively to start, or are you expecting him to just come in, do his job, and sort of be the prop that Manly hope he can be? Yeah, I think we'll be seeing more of the same from Josh next year. I think Des Hasler will have him playing a very similar role to what he did at the Tigers this year, just you know, really just bashing up the field, 
uh, you know, n- nothing too fancy for him. They've got Mike to power there, another power runner, and that's a nice one-two combo. They'll be looking to replace Adam Fanua Blake there, and I think we'll see him swap straight into that starting prop role. Uh, as you said with Jason Saab, both guys coming in very unusual circumstances, both re- requesting early, early releases from their clubs, both clubs hesitant to grant those releases, and then finally um, doing so, you know, once they got the sort of well, the other pieces of their puzzle intact. And uh, Jason Saab's going to be a great signing for Manly, some great depth to the back line. Might even get a starting spot in the wing alongside a guy like Ruben Garrick. And, yeah, I know that we were talking earlier in the year about a potential swap between the two, but it looks like they'll both stay. And, you know, that's a nice one-two punch on the, uh, on the edges for Manly. Yeah, certainly is certainly plenty for Jason Saab to prove after you know everything that he said and I guess the you know we look at it and laugh and the whole I don't want to drive down to Wollongong from Western Sydney but I'll drive down to Manly and I mean it's you know certainly not a short drive from Western Sydney to Manly that's for sure but you know it's a little bit closer for him I guess that's what he wanted at the end of the day and it is a chance for Jason Saab to. I guess essentially prove the doubt is wrong, Tom. I mean, he was, you know, crying out for, for for a game with the Dragons. He got it. Probably, or not probably, he didn't perform as well as many were expecting him to, and he pretty much wasn't seen again for that last little period with the Dragons. So it's a chance for him to start anew and potentially grab that starting spot. Yeah, both guys have so much potential on the field. I think it would be about proving to the Manly fan base that they've got what it takes off the field as well. Obviously, Josh Alley had those unusual circumstances regarding his release where he's saying he would mow the lawns at Concord instead of playing for the Tigers. Uh, Jason Saab back in November said that he didn't show up to training when he was required. So it's going to be about proving to the Manly fan base that they're there for the right reasons and they're there to play for the club because if not, there's plenty of guys waiting in the wings who would definitely be keen to take take up their opportunity. Yeah, there certainly is. And... I guess I want to end this on what is probably at the moment one of the ins- most inspirational stories in rugby league going on right now. I guess for those who aren't aware, Rob Burrow, who was a former ha- or former halfback with the Leeds Rhinos, very successful, won plenty of titles at the Leeds Rhinos, arguably in one of the greatest Super League sides ever. He's, he currently has motor neuron, motor neuron disease, it's a debilitating illness, no cure. It's, only, it's a matter of when and not if for someone to unfortunately pass. And I guess we see what Kevin Sinfield, a guy who played alongside him for many years, Tom obviously still involved with Leeds as well, is doing for his, his for his mate. You got you just have to look at it and just essentially be in awe of, I guess, Sinfield's desire and passion to help his mate out in not only raising money, but just in always being there for him and, and telling him, showing him that you're not alone in this. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, for those who aren't aware of uh, Rob Burrow's career, just to give some context, 493 games for one club, the Leeds Rhinos, from 2001 to 2017, 198 tries over 1,000 points, regarded as one of the best, uh, you know, first-grade rugby league players of all time. I remember when England used to come over for World Cups or the Four Nations, the one guy I always used to love watching was Rob Burrow because we never got a chance to see him in the NRA. And, you know, you heard so much about him and he was such a great player over there. It's been uh, very sad to see uh, you know, his decline over the last few months, but just what an awesome story for Kevin Sinfield to do the seven marathons for him. You know, I know some of there's been some calls for Kevin Sinfield to be knighted for his contribution to charity and sport, and it's really hard to argue that considering this way to see 
and the way the Borough family and all of Rob's former teammates have rallied around him and united and raised some much needed funds for M&D research has just been so awesome and inspirational to watch. And you know, no matter what happens uh, from here on out, everyone knows what a great legacy uh, Rob's building, not only for himself in the rugby league community, but now in wider society as well. No, absolutely. I mean, and his stats and you pretty much just had to see the way that he played. It reminds me a lot of, I guess, the, you know, and very, very different players, but similar size to someone like Preston Campbell, who, you know, probably a small guy that is told, look, you're not going to do much. You're too small. It's not going to work for you. But that didn't phase Rob Burrow. I mean, to score 198 tries as a half across your career is certainly no mean feat. And, you know, he was able to do that consistently, score consistently, play consistently. And, you know, it is a real shame that we, we're we seeing him how he is now and how debilitating that disease can be. And, look, I certainly agree with those calls for, for Kevin Sinfield to be knighted. I mean, that's, you know, there's, there's only so many words that people can use, I guess, to describe what he's doing and the legacy that he's creating for Rob Burrow and for himself is just, you know, furthering his own legacy and proving what 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 a great guy he is on and off the field. Yeah, hundred percent right there. Can't argue with any of that. And uh, for anyone out there who's looking to follow Rob Burrow's journey, you can jump onto Twitter and follow him at Rob Seven Burrow. He's uh, got some great content on there and raising plenty of money. That's uh, definitely going to make a big difference in the future to anyone fighting AOF. Yeah, it certainly is. And look, on that positive note, we'll end another episode of take the two for a week obviously not as long we're not there's no game so less time but still plenty of action to digest on and off the field and you know hopefully it's a quiet christmas break merry christmas and happy new year to everybody should we not be on again before 2021 and let's hope it's all smooth sailing for rugby league in in australia tom yeah that's it it's been one of the more wild years i think in rugby league uh and before in the world in general so fingers crossed 2020 uh, 2021 can get back to a little bit of normality and we can get full 25 round season in origin and millers and some great footy